Come and dream with me. Explosion Network's premier media podcast. Every week we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content and help you answer the question, is there anything funnier than an executive being booted at a commencement speech? No. I'm your host, Ashley Hobley. Join me today, Dylan Blight. I missed that. Who was that? David Vaslav was giving the commencement speech at the Boston University graduation ceremony mm. uh, and was repeatedly booed and uh, the crowd was chanting, pay your riders and other things. While he was trying to give his twenty-minute speech, that's very funny. Yeah, (laughs) I think there was even there was from what I I think it's from this like a plane flew across with like the the banner thing that they do saying "Pay your riders." riders. Yeah. (laughs) So, wow, wow. Here we are, week three of Rise Strike, still going strong, unfortunately. Uh, On today's episode, we'll be talking about what's in our watch history, going over some film news giving you some thumbs for trailers and talking about this week's top three. Uh, we'll kick things off straight away with Fast X, the 10th entry in the Fast and Fran- Furious mainline franchise, of starring Vin Diesel and the rest of his family. Uh, I've got a review up at Explosion.com. I gave it an 8 out of 10 and said, with Fast X built as the first part of a 2 or possibly three part finale to the franchise. It's not likely to win over anyone who's not already invested in Dominic Toretto and his family, but it does shake things up with the franchise's most interesting antagonist to date. Uh, of course, we've also, also got a spoiler cast up on this podcast feed. Uh, but Dylan, what are your spoilery free thoughts on Fast X? Yeah, it's, a, it's a, obviously I'm, I'm a big fan of the Fast and Furious franchise. Not all the movies are great, but it's generally the, the blockbuster. This is what blockbuster hollywood franchises sh- should be to me like it's just absolutely ridiculous um a lot of fun uh you're along for the ride it doesn't take itself super serious um uh it's good it's, it's good fun um re- uh what some wild revelations the the rules this friend this this if this is nearly an anime at this point it's just some ridiculous there's no reality to anything that's going on it's great uh I like the direction that the the finale seems to be heading in. Like thematically, I like the importance put on family more so than ever, which is a weird thing to say. But yeah, I appreciate that. And doing a proper, um, I, I appreciate the commitment to doing a proper full like cut, hard cut cliffhanger. Um, so you know there's like a part two, potentially part three coming, whatever we're getting. But yeah, I appreciate that as we go into the finale here. Yeah, I'm definitely in, clearly enjoyed the film as well. I think um, there's some really good action sequences. Um, it is primarily focused on Dom and the new character played by Jason Momoa, Dante, who is a joy to watch on screen, um, especially seeing reports this week that he, he was trying to break uh, Vin Diesel on set and wasn't able to. It's like, yeah, that checks out uh, with his flamboyantness and his... Uh, cheeky lines, um, you know, blowing raspberries and stuff. It's like, yeah, it lots is, of fun. It's nearly worth. It's like if you he's fell worth off this the franchise. The like yeah. it's it's worth the mission just for Jason Momoa. He's the definitely the best villain the franchise has had so far. Or at all, he's going to be the last villain. He's at right? least the most like memorable. Yeah, he's actually got yeah. a personality. 
you know, even though the, there's been a few big, the last few films there's been big name stars as the antagonist. Yeah, but they've but, just been whatever. I mean, like yeah. as I said, Jason Statham was a good bad guy, but he still didn't have much. He was just like he he was good at playing the threatening dude or whatever, and I, I appreciated him at, in that role. And he, he wasn't even the main bad guy in his film, right? Uh, he was like the the sneaky dude pops up and like fucks up with his shit. While yeah, there was there was a, there was another the time. There was like they were the, he was the main bad, bad guy for the the family, I guess, and then the other bad guy was like the people they were trying to like stop for the agency or whatever. I guess there was like yes. two bad guys, but um, but then even Charlize Ther- Theron, like, she I don't think she's come across as big of a bad guy success as maybe they had hoped. Yeah, because they didn't let her do anything. <laughs> Yeah. Until this movie, if you want to see Charlize Theron do stuff, watch Pretty this movie. Down. Crazy. Uh, so yeah, really exciting. It does. It is definitely a part one. Mm. I think maybe that will turn some people off. Like I've seen people get upset that it kind of ends on them like a cliffhanger. But we uh, knew it was. They announced it as this is the end of the road. Like we're doing a. We're doing a. This is the tagline's the beginning of the end. I think. Yeah. So. It's it's as yeah as I said in our spoiler cast as redundant as as it is. Like this is very much this is Infinity, whatever that movie was called. Infinity War. Infinity War, and then we're gonna have Endgame next. You know, so it's it's uh it's Twilight Breaking Dawn Part One. Sure. <laughs> uh yeah so check out all our fast x content uh i was lucky enough to go to a screening of renfield last night of course this is the upcoming uh i know comedy horror film uh starring nicholas holt as the maligned renfield who of course is the familiar of dracula in this film played by nicholas cage <laughs> uh you know and it's the classic story of uh renfield needing to help dracula get his victims uh, so he can, you know, continue to live because he's a vampire, believe it or not. Um, through their trials and tribulations they, of a, a pattern of Dracula going on a massive killing spree and them needing to leave their location and uh, set up shop in a new place. Uh, they find themselves uh, in New Orleans now. Uh, Dracula has been mortally injured uh, and is slowly re- like rebuilding his body after like being... <laughs> caught in the sun i think it's not exactly clear how how he like injured himself terribly uh but renfield is uh starting to realize that maybe he's in a bad way uh is a bad person (laughs) uh that you know feeding people to dracula is not maybe not a great uh feeling uh even though he's kind of uh tried to feed dracula a bunch of like shitty people in, instead of like the innocent victims that he did in these earlier years um, and soon finds himself at odds with the uh, local crime family uh, who uh, you know want to take him out you know and it, it involve gets into a big kind of like uh, yeah thing <laughs> I I had a good time I don't think it's terribly it's it's not a spectacular movie in any way but is solid, enjoyable, fun. Um, there is some, it, it is incredibly over the top, especially with its action as bloody scenes. Uh, there are several instances of people being impaled with uh, ripped off limbs. Um, and Nicholas Cage is really good as Dracula. He's <laughs> just, you know, even my audience would laugh, even just like, like the weirdest, like head twitch 
you know, there's just a, something really enjoyable about seeing Nicolas Cage as Dracula uh, with his whole teeth full of pointy teeth and fangs. And, this uh, is a dream role for him. It kind of is. Like, <laughs> uh, I believe he's played like a vampire before, but yeah. He has, a, yeah. Um, no, no, well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'll probably have a review up later in the week. Uh, but yeah, check out Renfield. I think if you just want a fun, enjoyable time, solid comedy, Aquafina plays a police officer. She's really good. She's the one not not corrupt cop in New Orleans. Um, the story is kind of simplistic and kind of you know. It's kind of there. Oh, it doesn't um, need to be anything. It doesn't need that, to though, be anything sure. too fancy. It's like you know, Nicholas Holt is being Nicholas Holt, uh, or like more dialed up. You know, Nicholas Holt, like I guess because he has a fair bit of range. That's to be fair. Um, but yeah, just some of the Huzzah! crazy action. Hazard, yeah, uh, yeah. I thought it was really enjoyable. So check out Renfield. Uh, Dylan, this week, Mrs. Davis mm. finished its first and potentially only season. What do you think of the conclusion of Mrs. Davis? I loved it. I thought it was really, really good. I the, the entire show was fantastic. I thought. I think it's really smart. I think it's even. Um, I think it's sort of. It's maybe too smart. Like in <laughs> like how how it sort of comes together is so silly, but so simple almost realistic <laughs> like the way revelations play out for certain certain things and and whatnot but yeah i i i really enjoyed this eight episode bride i yes they could potentially do another one but i i think the story that's told here um and the the way the in especially those last three episodes i guess bring a big focus back to the relationships between the the main characters and like sort of the healing that needs to be done between some of them and just like big conversations and choices. And obviously Mrs. Davis gets the one big final choice at the end. And um, that could, you could debate that. And I'm sure a lot of people watching the show, you may feel like she made the wrong choice or the right choice for different reasons and, and stuff like that. And I think that may say different things about different people and um, stuff like that. But I, yeah, I, I definitely think it's one of the best shows of the year so far. Very, 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 very well written and just willing to take wild swings and punches and just in trust the audience will be along for the ride. Yeah. I've really, I've really enjoyed watching the show week to week or like a couple episodes at a time. It's just, like you said, incredibly wild. Like, some of the ideas that are just thrown in this, incredible. Um, everything from the Holy Grail to, you know, Mrs. Davis being a worldwide algorithm, the origins of the algorithm, fucking hilarious. Yeah. Uh, just, um, yeah, it, it, it's a crazy story and, you know, it's enjoyable all the way through, like delving into Simone's backstory and her history um, with her father and her mother, Um yeah, just, you know, every single turn is like some crazy twist or revelation or really, it, it's, you know, it's disappointing that clearly it didn't find an audience because I feel like if it was more popular, people would be more upset about it. Especially. Yeah, or, or would be seeing like, 
gifs and stuff like from the show or something like that but i i just don't see anyone talking about it so no yeah it's it's weird it'll be one of those ones that i feel i'll find a find a cult following so yeah but uh yeah i'm comfortable with it you know ending here yeah i am too i think there's rumors of it being uh submitted as a limited series at the emmys so uh which could be the writing on the wall. But I think, you know, it's, it's really enjoyable, uh, crazy story that for, feels fulfilling. I There's clearly some threads that you could potentially, well, there's one clear thread that you could take into the, the next season. Uh, but, but it's not enough to be disappointed. Like if this is, if this no. is one and done, I'm, I'm, I think that the majority that the, the, the choice was made throughout the progress of the show to, to wrap up 99% of everything. So, yeah. You know. So, you could definitely recommend people to watch this show, even if it isn't coming back. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. All right, so that's um, Mr. Davis. Check it out on Binge, is what we're saying. Please. It's very good. Uh, so I watched My- White Man Can't Jump, the new uh, remake of the 1992 film. Uh, this one starring Sinqua Walls and Jack Harlow. Uh, both of them play promising uh, high school basketball pro. Uh, prodigies or who uh, are now in their I don't know, late 20s, early 30s, uh, and uh, did not fulfill their potential, uh, who go around playing pickup basketball games, uh, who team up uh, in order to play in a big uh, pickup game two on two tournament to win a bunch of money. It's enjoyable enough i of course haven't watched the original film but uh, you know it kind of relies on the charisma of the, the two leads uh i think jack harlow was quite amusing at times uh but i could definitely see his shtick not working for everybody um and you've never seen the original right no i haven't seen the original yeah yeah um yeah i mean it's fine. It's a very much a classic sports story kind of thing. Very, you know, kids similar moments. Uh, there is some fun of them going to different pickup ball pickup games and like trash talking a bit and that kind of stuff. Uh, and the two friends, <laughs> like it's written by Keenan Barris, who of course is known for like uh, blackish and that kind of stuff. There's some pretty hard, uh, clearly. Uh, african-american humor there um or biting humor and making fun of a lot of race stuff in the tr- in the film um my highlight lance reddick he's a, he plays uh think wall's father he's really fantastic in this movie so uh if this is one of his last performances it's a pretty solid way to go out so yeah. Uh, you know, if you've got nothing else to watch, White Man Can't Jump <laughs> on so Disney+. I will Plus. never watch this movie. <laughs> probably. Probably not. All right. Uh, Dylan, you watched, You forgot around to watching Confess Fletch. I did. I thought it was okay. I, I um, So if people don't know, it's like based on the book series, but most probably there's two, um, two movies starring um, uh, Chevy Chase in the yep. 80s or whatever. Uh, which are both very good. I don't think this is as good as either of those, or maybe I just, like, I remember watching those when I was younger, so I don't know. I think John Hamm's good 
as Fletch. There's something about the pacing of this movie, though, that just feels weird to me. Um, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. It just feels like a lot of the time the scenes are just like happening and there's just no sort of rhythm to the movie. And I, I really feel like movies like this where it's sort of, you know, a mystery. It's it's just a, a mystery sort of thing happening where obviously the movie starts with Fletch. Uh, he's uh, comes back to this house and he finds a dead woman there and he calls the cops and the cops turn up and they're like, hey, you probably did it. And he's like, why would I call you? <laughs> and then like begins this whole thing with uh, the the cop in it, uh, Inspector, whatever his name is, uh, who's a prominent character in the books and everything. Uh, this is his first time he showed up. But he was never in the, the other movies. Uh, but then, you know, he's got this, he was doing a job for this like rich family or whatever, trying to try, find their paintings. And like, it's, it's, a, it's a mystery in investigation sort of thing where he's a private private eye pi or whatever at the time so i, I think there's just a there's a, a bit of a, a fun pacing missing from to from this movie which is it's meant to be if it is funny at times thanks to john ham who has discovered his secret sort of comedy chops over the last few years i feel but yeah i there's just something there was something missing from it for me so i gave it a six on track which is probably where i'd, I'd sit for it all right uh, then you watched a movie called Full Circle. Uh, yes, yeah, so I watched this last night. Uh, this is, I got sent the, so I should have a review up for this one because I got sent the uh, Blu-ray release for this one, imprint, new release from Imprint. Um, this was a, this is, this is an interesting movie, which I'd heard about, but never watched because it's, uh, it's a Mia Farrow film, which like Mia Farrow has an interesting career because obviously she was she was she could have been if she chose to be like sort of this horror icon and she is to a degree because of one film <laughs> which is the the thing so she does uh, she does Roman fucking the rapist Polanski's um film uh fucking Rosemary's Baby right so she, Mia Farrow plays Rosemary massive early seventies film um sort of kicks off this whole horror genre um of people trying to imitate the same style and and, and whatever else Mia Farrow could have followed that but she didn't she only did like a handful of other horror films um she sort of picked and chose what she did and full circle uh, is an interesting one because it definitely falls in a, uh, it comes out in late 70s so 1978 this is around the time that slashes are picking up um so it's 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 interesting this got made at all because that's the direction that horror fan base was going at the time. Even after Rosemary's Baby was, um, and even like the exorcism and all this stuff is sort of more, I guess, thoughtful horrors, what do you want to call it? Um, full circles, this full sort of, um, it's like a psychological horror. There's not really, it's not the, it's, it's, it's a gothic horror. It's a psychological gothic horror film about this woman who at the start of the film, she's having breakfast with her daughter and her husband and her daughter starts to choke on an apple or something like that. Um, and this is before the, what the fuck's it called? Do you know that, that Heimlich? Is that, that's what it's called, isn't it? You know, where you like the, the Heimlich, Heimlich maneuver. Maneuver, right. So this is prior to Heimlich maneuver to get, stuff to help in scenarios like this so her daughter like basically choking to death and they try and call an ambulance but then it's very much implied that she attempts to perform a um you know like a incision in the throat where you'd get airwaves through to help someone breathe um but it doesn't go well of course and her then it cuts to years later where her daughter's dead and 
she spent uh, an unknown amount of time sort of uh, in a hospital dealing with obviously a huge um, uh, breakdown over over what's happened. Uh, and then as she moves, she comes out and she moves into this other house and then she starts seeing her daughter and she starts like hearing stories of these other potential weird things happening in the house and she starts to investigate them. But then there's this whole element of like, is this all in her head? Is it just because this it's this distraught, a uh, woman who's lost her child um, or, you know, all these in- uh, elements. Uh, I really enjoyed it though. I, th- I think Mia Mir- Farrow obviously gives a r- very good uh, performance. The, it's shot very well. It's got this, it definitely plays into the more gothic vibes of the uh, the setting and um, the story and everything like that. Um, and the way it uh, portrays, I guess, the, the loss of family and the way it can, like the way it can just really destroy someone and stuff like that. It's uh yeah, I, I, I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was very, very good. All right. Uh, and then you also watched who's Sarah, the bone woman. I actually don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's fine. Um, how do you pronounce it then? <laughs> I don't know. Who's Sarah? Yeah. Hugh Sarah, the bone woman. Uh, so this is this <laughs> similar. I, or no, not similar, but th- Yes and no. This I would also put into a genre of like the like if 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 that other movie full circle slash that's actually its European name, like the the fucking the just going back to that for two seconds, I gotta mention the funniest fucking thing to me, which I just remembered before I go too far. The haunting of Julia is the other that it was what it was released at in America, right? Full circle Europe. On this blu-ray release when you click play film it gives you the option of picking between the two options the only change it makes is the title that comes up at the start of the movie <laughs> so you can pick if you want to move if you want to view it as you're watching haunting of julia or full circle the rest of the movie's fine it's literally just a title card <laughs> very good i was like I am mean, i going insane smart. or is that literally it's the only change <laughs> double movie pack yeah <laughs> if you want to view it that way um but yeah so if that, if that movie that movie obviously fo- focuses on the the loss of a child and stuff like that um sarah the bone woman focuses on um i guess uh society's push for you know women to to always be mothers and like uh around what that potentially is this is another very good i've had a, i've had a good week for horror movies i feel um the the poster i guess may make you feel like this is gonna be a lot more of a like fucked up scary movie than what it is but it's definitely a lot more of a psychological um horror movie as well coming out of mexico i thought it was very very good though um but you've got this woman played by or what's the character's name valeria um she's having a the movie starts and she finds out she's pregnant and she's super happy with her and her and her husband but then as the film goes on and she starts to get more pregnant. She starts seeing like these, these things like out her window. She wakes up in the middle of the night and she's seeing like people like crawling around on the ground, just weird fucking shit. And she starts like feeling like, you know, like she constantly like cracks her bones and like, it's just, it's definitely like, you can see from the outset, like she's just in undue stress. But the most interesting parts for me are as the movie gets further in it starts showing you you do some flashbacks uh to who she was as a person prior to to where we meet her at the start of the film and she was a completely different person because now she's being forced into this very stereotypical um mother 
role. She's it, it all sort of it goes one piece by one piece, like as she sort of loses part of her own personality. Um, of which the the first one at the start of the movie is um, she's someone who has a, a room in the house and she has an entire workshop set up and she come um, and her thing is she likes to build things and sell them. And she's always been really into like, you know, like making things with her hands or whatever else. And the first thing she has to lose once she gets pregnant is, Oh, well I got to pack all that up because I need a, a room for the baby and all those chemicals are going to be bad for the baby. So straight away it's like, and as the movie progresses, it's more and more of like losing herself, um, to the baby i guess and to the the standards pushed upon her by society and by her own family about what it means to be a mother and stuff like that so um yeah i'd highly suggest it uh it's on shutter i really really enjoyed this one as well awesome uh let's move into the mandatory netflix segment of the show uh so i watched the to all the boys uh i have a love spin-off series XO Kitty, which I keep getting wrong. I keep calling it Kitty XO, uh, in which you follow Kitty Stonkovy, who is a little sister from those films, uh, who has decided she's going to, she's applied uh, to go to KISS, which is the Korean International School in Seoul, um, where her mother went to high school for one year uh, to be at the same place that he, her longtime boyfriend slash pen pal, uh, who they set up in the last film, uh, is studying. So she applies for a scholarship, gets a scholarship, uh, and goes across the country, uh, across the world, really, uh, to the school. Doesn't tell her boyfriend Day, uh, wanted to surprise him, but spoilers, first episode... Day's got another girlfriend. Well, hey, spoilers, Shana- it's, in the, it's in the trailer, but... <laughs> well, well, here's the spoiler. What What is the most known quantity of the two, To All The Boys I Ever Loved franchise? Uh, that she leaks all the letters or something? I don't know. What do you mean? What's the main thing about the Peter and uh, Lara relationship at the start? Their neighbours? What? It's a fake relationship, Dylan. Oh, fake right, relationship. Fake relationship. Oh, okay, right, gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, Day and the uh, girl... They're in a fake relationship? Yeah, they're in a fa- fake relationship. Yuri. Yeah. And and uh, Kitty doesn't know. So now she's all heartbroken. But, you know, Day is uh, trapped in the situation. And, you know, it goes into classic wire situations from there. Uh, it's also got the uh, foreigner fishing... Uh, you know, fish out of water situation uh, of her being in Korea, and also this whole this plot line around uh, maybe her mum had a baby while she was in Korea, <laughs> uh, which is wild. Um, I found it quite enjoyable. It's you know classic YA uh, storytelling, a uh, bunch of teenagers doing you know not being able to deal with their relationships. Um, but yeah, it's, it's solid fun. It's very beautifully shot, you know, classic, you know. There's just cherry blossom trees everywhere, you know. So <laughs> that's another staple of those films, I feel like. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really cool that it's obviously set and sold. There's a lot of Korean spoken. So obviously that's going to... A nice mesh because obviously Korean or Asian culture has kind of pushed itself across into Western 
uh, stuff. The soundtrack is really good. Uh, I don't know any, any of the individual songs, but I was like bopping along as the the, <laughs> the show was going. Um, uh, yeah, and I feel like it it has a solid conclusion and clearly setting up for a potential second season um, with kind of a cliffhanger kind of ending. Um, so yeah, I would recommend Kitty XO. I think it's it's quite enjoyable, uh, even though there's some crazy shit that happens. <laughs> How many episodes was it? No, half hour or like an hour? Ten episodes, half hour each. Okay. Easy, easiest binge for a day. Yeah, which I saw you did. You just binged it that day. Yeah, I went, yeah. Neat content. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I also watched the documentary series Missing Dead or Alive, uh, which follows a missing persons unit in in America, you know, uh, as they kind of try and solve uh, missing persons cases. Uh, It's in South Carolina. Um, This is an odd one. My major criticism is it feels very staged at times or like, like it doesn't feel overly. There's a lot of segments that it feels like they've asked the, uh, the officers to like talk about what they want to talk about. Like, and we kind of need you to have a conversation about this thing and it just doesn't feel natural. I don't, Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that in documentaries before. It just doesn't feel like this. It definitely feels like it's kind of forced. Some of yeah. the, it's like, oh, we're in the car. We're going up to the suspect's place. Can you call the other person to let them know what's happening? Yeah. Uh, at the same time, it, it definitely feels very forced throughout this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's four episodes. Uh, some of the investigations are quite interesting and like kind of very sad. Um, varied and like dude it's it's kind of weird that like we're searching for this missing person we don't know if they're dead or alive it's like they could be you know uh and also in a weird for me this felt weird but the episodes kind of bleed into each other instead of like the case being kind of resolved in the one episode they kind of bleed into each episode like the result the result of the previous episode will be at the start of the next one it's like why wouldn't you just edit it so it's all in the one episode yeah that's weird it is weird. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, on. That's missing, dead or alive. Uh, and then I also watched the documentary McGregor Forever, which of course is uh, a documentary about Conor McGregor. Uh, it seems like he had a film crew following him uh, ever since he came back after fighting Floyd Mayweather, um, kind of tracking his UFC career uh, after that point. Um, it's fine. Is like a very fly on the wall kind of thing. Kind of the major difference is like showing him becoming a dad and a family person, um, and kind of how that kind of changed him. And then, um, yeah, I didn't love it. I thought it was okay. Um, even as someone, I'm not overly invested in UFC, UFC, and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, I don't. Know. Yeah, I didn't really enjoy it that much. So yeah, that's everything I watched the tree. <laughs> uh, let's move into a little bit of film news again. The Riot Strike is going on. There's barely any right news at the moment. Um, Cannes is taking place at the moment. We'll do a, like a recap next week uh, when the actual festival is over. Um, but is anything from Cannes caught your eye? Like uh, mm, the early reviews for Indiana Jones are terrible. 
Yeah, well, they're mixed. <laughs> the actual viewers didn't enjoy it, but, you know, people who just went and watched it seem to give positive-ish reviews. The worst thing I saw was someone, I think it maybe was the IGN review or someone, I saw someone tweet something like, this makes Crystal Skull look amazing or something. I was like, I'm not sure you could say anything worse than that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That reviewer is quite harsh on, on these kind yes. of projects, so um, not surprising, really. Uh, but a piece of news that did uh, kind of ruffle feathers all over the internet uh, was that uh, Disney is planning to remove a bunch of content from Disney Plus. Uh, reading from Deadline, uh, Disney is starting to pull content from streaming with dozens of specials and s- series slated to leave Disney Plus and Hulu on May 26th, Deadline has learned. The titles are be- which are being removed from Disney streaming services globally include Disney Plus's Willow, Big Shot, Turner and Hooch, Mighty Ducks Game Changes, Just Beyond, Diary of a Future President, The Mysterious Benedict Society, and The World According to Jeff Goldblum and Hulu's Wide Last Man, Dollface, The Hot Zone, Maggie, Pistol, and Little Demon. A number of freeform series are also slated to leave Hulu. The list is largely short-lived series, specials, and directed streaming movies. Uh, the move, which comes with a content impairment charge of $1.5 billion to $1.8 billion, was announced during the Disney earnings call on May 10th, uh, we are in the process of reviewing the content on our DTC services to align with the strategic changes in our approach to content curation, CFO Christine McCarthy said. At the time, no details were provided on the content that would be removed. Uh, of course, Disney is the latest company to purge content from streaming platforms in a cost-cutting measure as the industry is rethinking costs and strategy in that arena with a renewed focus on profitability. Um, of course, a lot of this sparked a lot of outrage, um, a bunch of stuff uh, has been announced uh, that it will be saved and other things that won't be saved. Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on a lot of these series being removed from Disney Plus, especially a series like Willow that um, haven't been out for very long? Uh, it's terrible. I don't know why anyone would be happy with something getting removed. Um, it's another... It's another tick in the box of physical media. Uh, it's another... This is also another reason actors are probably going to go on strike later this year and or early next year or probably after all the riders strike. I wouldn't be completely surprised. I saw a story the other day, apparently, the, the next whatever. I don't know the full... understand how all the, the guild stuff works, but apparently, like, the next voting time for the directors and the actors so happens to be, like, at the exact Pretty same close. time or something. Yeah. So we may have a I think there's there. currently a vote going among SAG-AFRA whether they're going to certify to strike if yeah. they need to. So we may have a we may have actors and directors striking and maybe the writers at the same time as well, which... Probably. <laughs> you know, maybe they're like, uh, okay, we'll just do all three at the same time. You know, we'll yeah. wait it out. Yeah. Uh, and for people who are like, what's that have to do with this? Because uh, this most likely just comes down to Disney doesn't play the... The residuals. Residues. Uh, so they're removing it. That's that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, it's we're kind of in a weird point where um, I, I can kind of understand it from Disney's point of view, whether it's like how much actual viewership of this content do people, they get after its initial release. It's like, think, is that I, a good investment to keep Here's this my only problem. Yeah. 
I'm, I would actually be, I, if you were like, if they were like, look, it's business, we need to find ways to save money so we can like keep these people employed over here. And if this saves money on this spending, then like, that's, I'm sure them trying to justify it. Here's the problem. There is no other way to watch it and the, 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 the like full stop. So if, if this was the old days and these shows could be, um, people could buy them and syndicate them for normal TV, then everyone gets paid their residues. Or if the movie, uh, if the TV shows were getting Blu-ray releases and DVD releases and people were getting their residues from those sales, residuals, residuals from those sales, then that would, you know what I mean? But currently yep. the, the thing is this. We are trying to find ways to save money, says Disney. And the mouse goes, well, how about we just get rid of all these shows because then we don't have to pay these people money. And then those actors go, well, that's kind of fucked. We want to get paid money from people watching our shit. And then the people who want to watch, watch the show go, well, we don't have a way to watch the show anymore. So guess what? None of you can watch it. And also none of you getting paid. Huzzah. <laughs> like, it, was just, it seems like the worst possible solution for a problem. Yeah. Um, I will say from a counterpoint, uh, John Kasdan uh, tweeted out about uh, Willow going away. Of course, he's the creator of the new Willow TV series. Uh, he says, I've been quiet on the news that Willow is leaving Disney is leaving Disney Plus because I'm kind of into it. I grew up at a time when Disney movies were periodically re-released and not available to own, and it made them more special. I worry about many things, but none of them are that Willow will never be available again, either on Disney Plus or perhaps someplace else. And you never know where that could lead. Stranger things have happened. So grateful for all the love and enthusiasm. It's truly what keeps these worlds alive. Uh, does fuck does that mean? <laughs> uh, well, does uh, force scarcity kind of like raise you know because they can bring it back and there's like no. hey Willow the TV series is back no. now you can finally watch it again. This is dumb. Or are we now at a point where it's too far? No, force scarcity is nothing in the streaming age. That's dumb. I'm, I'm totally again, like, no offense, like John Cadston, but this is dumb. This is dumb. I grew up in a time where scarcity made things cooler. Yeah, cool story, dude. Cool story. We now live with the internet and with the streaming and stuff like that. That's nothing. That's dumb. Fuck off out of here. You don't think that the, when they bring it back, there would be a bump in in people watching the series? Oh, yeah, for all of a week. Cool. Yeah. I don't know. I as much as uh, I'm sure they're saving, what they're really doing is pushing more people to piracy. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, well, look, I, I haven't watched all of Willow yet. I thought I had all the time in the world, and I was just going to watch it slowly in between other no, things. You got like less than a week, apparently. I got less than a fucking week, so I'm sort of annoyed because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have the fucking time to watch it. Well, you should make the time. I'd- uh because it's going away and never coming back. Uh until they uh announce it. Do you want me to click series. end podcast and just go watch it alone instead? <laughs> like what do you want me to do? I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of a weird point. Um uh where, yeah. I guess, you know. It's interesting because Netflix is kind of never none of their original content has ever been like not much of their original content has been removed. They've been willing to keep a lot of their original content there. Um, but they have cycled in other TV shows and content and then brought it back and that kind of stuff. And then, then you know. Not their stuff. Yeah. 
licensed stuff and that yeah. kind of thing. No, get like when people are like, oh, it's bullshit that Netflix is removing the Transformers movies. Find it on another surface. Fucking um, hell. Yeah. So I guess we'll we'll wait and see, you know, whether this pays off. Um, yeah, it just seems especially odd for Willow, which is obviously the one that's kind of gotten the most attention, um, because it is a big series. It's uh, features a lot of LGBTQ characters, uh, and it's Pride Month at the moment, so it feels like a little bit of a hate crime. Um, that uh, we'll see how this plays out. Um, also interesting, you talk about syndication of online series. Uh, of course, Upfronts happened this week, uh, and the head of ABC was talking about it. Uh, of course, in the in the realm of uh, the writer strike going on at the moment, they can't don't have they can't have new uh, scripted content. Could they bring uh, Disney Plus series to free to air television? And they said no, because. The length of those shows is too fucked up. <laughs> we can't air them properly with either timeframes and have ads at the same time. Um, so it's kind of an interesting conundrum that they've forced themselves into where because shows like The Mandalorian and WandaVision uh, episode length can fluctuate so much, uh, they just aren't fit for free-to-air television. So, you know, that's, I thought that was kind of an interesting story. But the main thing I want to talk about uh, from Upfronts is every year uh, a bunch of new TV shows are announced, uh, and every every year we've doing it's covered the Upfronts. We've done uh, we have had Dylan guess whether these shows will get a second season. <laughs> now I want to go back. I've actually gone back results from last year. Okay. So we had nineteen different shows uh, announced last year. Uh, only nine of them have been renewed. Yep, that's up. Two of those never got to air, but have been since renewed. Um, we we'll, might talk about them in the article I've got. Uh, two shows, Gotham Knights and The Rookies Feds, are currently on the bubble. Um, the Rookies looks like it will be renewed uh, by Gotham Knights. It's It could go either way. So I think really you got nine out of uh, 15, which is pretty good. Yeah, there you go. Smash it. Uh, so yeah, we're going to run through this year's new TV shows, and yes, Dylan will let me know if they he thinks they will get a second season. Uh, starting at NBC, we've got Extended Family, uh, uh, executive produced by Mike O'Malley, Tom Werner, uh, starring John Cryer and Donald Faison, Abigail Spencer, uh, Jim and Julia, after an amicable divorce, decide to continue to raise their kids at their family home while taking turns on who gets to stay with them, a process that becomes more complicated when Julia begins dating the owner of Jim's favorite sports team. No. All right. Uh, Found. A crisis management PR specialist works with a team to help find missing persons, but this everyday hero is hiding a chilling secret of her own, starring Shanola Hampton, Mark Paul Gosler, and Kelly Williams. No. The Irrational, Alec Mercer is a world-renowned world-renowned leader in a behavioral science who lends his experience, uh, his expertise to an array of high-stakes cases involving governments, law enforcement, and corruption corporations with his unique and unexpected approach to understanding human behavior. Uh, 
starring Jesse L. Martin, Maha Hill, and Trevina Springer. Mm, nope. The Americas, narrated by Tom Hanks, this 10-part documentary series will employ revolutionary filmmaking technology to showcase the wonders, secrets, and fragilities of the Americas and reveal extraordinary untold wildlife stories that deeply connect with millions around the world. Uh, yes. Okay. Can I have one wild card near somewhere? Hmm? Can I have a wild card somewhere? Sure. What if... Don't know, just in case I want one. Yeah. Okay. Deal or No Deal Islands. Uh, set on the banker's private island where he makes the rules, there are twists behind every palm tree. Hidden on the island are over 100 cases with millions of dollars split between them, which teams must achieve so they can play a game of Deal or No Deal against the banker. Only one te- team will survive until the very last episode where they'll compete to be the banker with, for the biggest prize in Deal or No Deal history. I hate every word that just came out of your mouth. But yes, that will get a second season. All right. Uh, so we've got these two series have already been confirmed. So, I mean, uh, we've got Crapopolis uh, set in mythical ancient Greece. The animated series centers on a flawed family of humans, gods, and monsters that tries to run one of the world's first cities without killing each other. Created by Dan Harmon, uh, starring Hannah Waddingham, Rich Aoti, Matt Perry, Pam Murphy, and Duncan Trussell. That's a yes. <laughs> if you're smart. Uh, and also Grimsberg. Oh, that's like how... Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Surely that's a chewing. <laughs> <laughs> also Grimsberg. Uh, Marvin Flute is a brilliant detective with opinions eccentric as his tastes, uh, who can't help but prioritize his own personal problems over the cases he's supposed to be solving, starring John Hamm. Yes. Yes. So those are two animated series coming to Fox... Uh, so we got Doc, a brilliant doctor, has to navigate a new world after a brain injury erases eight years of his memory. Yes. We got High Surf, follow the personal and professional lives of the heavy water lifeguards who patrol and protect the north shore of Ua, the most famous and dangerous stretch of coastline in the world. Yes. Uh, we've got Snake Oil. Contestants pitch unique products to un- entrepreneurs who have to determine which ones are fake. Uh, is it hosted by David Spade? Yes. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, we Are Family, a music guessing game show revolving around relatives of celebrities who perform duets with their famous family members. Uh, hosted by Jamie Foxx and Corin Fox. Cool. Um, yes. Popper's House. Legendary talk radio host has his point of view challenged at work when a new female co-host is hired and at home when he, where he finds himself still parenting his adult son. Uh, starring Damon Wayans, Damon Wayans Jr., Essence Atkins. No. Elsbeth. The unconventional attorney character Elsbeth Tosconi, known from The Good Wife and The Good Fight, uses her singular point of view to make unique observations and corner brilliant criminals alongside the NYPD, starring Carrie Preston, Wendell Pierce, and Kyra Patterson. Yes. Matlock, inspired by the original NBC series Brilliant 
Septuagenarian attorney Madeline Locke rejoins the workforce as, at a prestigious law firm, starring Kathy Bates. No. High potential. A single mother with an exceptional mind whose unconventional knack for solving crimes leads to an unusual and unstoppable partnership with a by-the-book seasoned detective. Starring Caitlin Olsen, Daniel Sujata, uh, is introduced by Drew Goddard and uh, Rob Thomas. Wildcard. Ooh. I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> Do you know you what know, that you means? Know, you know what it means. Okay. Don't fuck with me. You know what it means. <laughs> uh, Joan. Joan, a fire and uncompromising woman in her 20s who is deeply scared and vulnerable. She is a devoted mother to a six-year-old daughter, Kelly, but is trapped in a disastrous marriage with a violent criminal named Gary. When Gary runs, goes on the run, Joan seizes the opportunity to create a new life for herself and her daughter. Adopting new identities and making new acquaintances along the way, Joan becomes a masterful jewel thief. She embarks on a thrilling high-stakes journey that challenges her every limit driven by her desire to care for her daughter and create a secure home for them both through her sharp intelligence, sharp and charm and talent for impersonation and performance. She follows the twists and turns in Joan's life the ups and downs, the heartache, and the joy that makes this story so compelling to follow. Starring Sophie Turner. No, oh, yes. Uh, Librarians, the next chapter. A spinoff of the original TV series, The Librarians, the new series, centers on a librarian from the past who time traveled to the present <laughs> <laughs> and now finds himself stuck here. When he le- returns to his castle, which is now a museum, he inadvertently releases magic across the continent. He is given a new team to help him clean up the mess he made, forming a new team of librarians. Sure. Yes. <laughs> Fire it. Uh, the Swarm. Around the world, strange happenings born out of the oceans. Whales destroy boats. Deep sea crabs attack beaches. Mussels block container ships. An unknown ice worm destabilizes continental slopes and triggers tsunamis. A deadly pathogen spreads into the drinking water. Across the globe, lives are increasingly imperiled, the situation worsening by the day. And yet nobody can draw a connection between these seemingly random attacks, except for a group of scientists who come together through their shared sense that something bigger is at play an intelligent life force dwelling in the deep capable of manipulating the ocean everything that resides in it a being that which has borne witness to our destruction of the seas and has decided to drive us to extinction but hardly anyone believes in their findings and so the group are forced to undertake a life-threatening mission tracking the intelligent life force within the arctic ocean is a mission they know may claim their lives no because that sounds like it has some real world woke bullshit underlying it. No, I'm going to watch that. No. All right. America's hate. American hate. Life. Sense. Global warming. Yep. All right. Well, that, that's all the shows. (laughs) There's a couple more unscripted ones, but I think you'll just say no. Uh, So yeah, look forward to maybe seeing some of those here in Australia. Or not. Or not. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's give some thumbs to trailers. And we've got a big thumbs for trailer segment this week. Uh, of course, we've got all the trailers we're about to talk about this week in the show notes below. Let's kick things off straight away. Killers of the Flower Moon, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Lily Gladstone, Jesse Plemons, Brendan Fraser, 
and John Lefgau, members of the Osage tribe Osage. in Osage. 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 Members of the Osage tribe in the northeastern Oklahoma uh, murdered under mysterious circumstances in the 1920s, sparking a major FBI investigation directed by a 29-year-old J. Edgar Hoover and former Texas Ranger Tom White, described by Grant as an old-style lawman. Dylan, what do you think of this first teaser trailer for Killers of the Flower Moon? Cinema is back, baby! <laughs> uh, let me put it this way. Um, I'm halfway through listening to the book. <laughs> uh, I'm very, like, I, I watched the Couldn't trailer. Wait. No, well, I watched the trailer. I was like, that was a very good trailer. Like, it told me fuck all, but that was like a very well put together trailer. It's a double thumbs up. Very haunting and everything like that. And then I just did a quick Google to be like, what's the general, like, setup for this? Like, what is the actual synopsis of this, this, this movie? What is the go? And then I read it and I went, that's actually fucking super interesting. And then I was like, nah, fuck it. I can't wait. And then I no 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 the the part that pushed me over to listening to the book was one of the the tweets coming out from the movie because obviously it screened at Cannes, um, the Cannes it, it's the Cannes Film Festival that's happening right now everyone. Um, someone tweeted and said, "Oh, it's nothing like the book." Uh, Scorsese's not at all interested in really caring about the the FBI element, whereas the book like focuses a bit more on that. Um, and I was like, "Fuck it." If they're they're if they're going to be different enough, uh, I was like, "Fuck it!" Yep. I'll listen to the book because I'm I was super intrigued by the the, the true story element. And if they're going to give me different um, vibes, yeah. vibes, then yeah, I'm all in. So yeah, very keen for the movie though. The book's very good so far. So uh, two thumbs up, two thumbs up, three thumbs up. Fucking go. Yeah, I'll give it two thumbs up as well. I think, uh, like you said, it doesn't reveal too much, but kind of gives you a tone. Uh, Would you get Leonardo DiCaprio doing a fantastic accent that I enjoy? How many wolves do you see in this picture? <laughs> I like it. Yeah, it's. I look forward to hearing it for five hours. I think. Uh, I think it's. It's because he's like reading, but he's like it's obvious. The, the it gave me vibes of someone who's not very good at reading. Reading, if you know what I mean. Yeah, because there's that one shot of him like working his fingers, like, and they said, "How many wolves do you see in the picture?" Like it's a child's book sort of thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it looks really fantastic. Um. Again, you only get a kind of a glimpse of everything. Uh, For people who want to know, like without spoiling anything, the, the setup is this: the the Osage people, this native 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 Americans, um, early eighteenth century or whatever, they are forced off their land onto a place that like was sort of considered to be barren and worthless. Uh, they then discover oil there. And then people come to basically set up and like take oil and they charge them or whatever. Um, and mm-hmm. very quickly they become the richest people in the world at the time. Yeah. And then, and that puts big targets on their back because yeah. they're not white rich people basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, of course, Killers of the Flower Moon will be released in cinemas on the 19th of October uh, before coming to Apple TV Plus later in the year. Our next trailer is for Theatre Camp, directed by Molly Gordon and Noah Galvin, uh, starring Molly Gordon, Ben Platt, Noah Galvin, Jimmy Tatro, Patty Harrison, Nathan Lee Graham, Ayo Edaberry, Caroline Aaron, and Amy Sedaris. Amos and Rebecca Diane are lifelong friends and drama instructors at a rundown camp in upstate New York, 
when clueless tech bro Troy arrives to run the property into the ground, Amos, Rebecca, Diane, and production manager Glenn band together with the staff and students to stage a masterpiece and they keep and keep their beloved summer camp afloat. Tell them what you think of the trailer for this film. Uh, I'll go one up one down. It looks sort of fun. Not, not, I feel like it has a very specific audience, right? It's, it's for all you people. It's all the theater kids who had stuff like this or went to similar things and, or all you glee kids or whatever else, or I guess the, the blend plat super fans and whatever else. But, um, yeah, I'll go one up there. It looks fun, but obviously like it knows its audience, which is fun. Yeah, I'll give it one up, one down as well. I thought it would be more over-the-top comedic because uh, I've been kind of excited to hear about this film for a while. Uh, but it definitely seems like more of a mockumentary uh, kind of thing, more in the vein of um, what's the one with the, the show dogs? Yeah, that one. That one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's definitely going to give me those kind of vibes. Uh wasn't it just called something like... Yeah, Best in Show by uh, Christopher Guest. Yeah. Definitely feels like one of those kind of movies, um, which I don't think makes for very good trailers, uh, probably, but I'm still excited for the movie. So uh, lots of really good people involved. Uh, also, it's directed by Molly Gordon and Nick Lieberman, not Noel Garvin. I got that. He wrote the script. Uh all right, so Theatre Camp is coming to cinemas on the 7th of September. Next trailer, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, created, uh, directed by Christopher McQuarrie, starring Tom Cruise, Haley Atwell, Ving Rhames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Vanessa Kirby, and Henry Zerny. Ethan Hunt and the IMF team embark on their dangerous mission to track down a terrifying weapon that threatens humanity before it falls into the wrong hands. With control of future and the fate of the world at stake and dark forces from Ethan's past closing in, a deadly race around the globe begins. Confronted by a mysterious and powerful nemesis called Gabriel, Ethan is forced to consider that nothing can matter more than his mission, not even the lives of those he cares about most. Dylan, what did you think of trailer for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1? Double thumbs up, of course. It's Mission Impossible. It's uh, the part one of the part two or three finale we don't know no actually we do know it's two parts um <laughs> uh there's but still i mean time. there's still time true uh they start the trailer obviously with the the bike stunt thing which they released a video of last year and it's just cool to see that with the like obviously they've cgi'd out the the ramp but tom cruise actually you know obviously rides off that cliff and parachutes down and all that sort of stuff um you get the train stunt at the end which they just fucking launch a train off a bridge for some reason they love just blowing up real things good on them yeah. you know i've seen the criticism being like what's the fucking plot i don't give a fuck <laughs> i don't give a fuck why you know, do you need to know what the plot is this is a movie that you don't need to market the plot for no you don't like they're like every mission possible movie for like tell me the plot of the last several ones bad guy wants to blow up world or kill people get stuff yeah yeah hunt must stop them his mission if he chooses to, to, you know like he gives a fuck I don't, yeah. not for these movies. So, so I don't watch these movies for the, the story. Who the fuck's watching Mission Impossible movies for the story? Get the fuck out of here. You're watching Mission Impossible story. You're watching Mission Impossible movies at this stage for the action and the characters. And because the, the core cast we've come to, to know and love, right? 
and you really enjoy them. And the bad guys are usually pretty good in these movies, at least for the last the last few, they've been pretty good. Um, so you're watching it for the you're watching it for the characters, and you're watching it for the for the action. You're not actually watching it for some mind blowing narrative. Tell me I'm wrong. No, I'm not going to tell you wrong because you're completely right. Yeah. <laughs> but not to say that the stories are terrible. I'm not saying they're terrible. I'm just saying you're not watching it for the the story. That's not the the draw. No, and it doesn't need to be. Yeah. Like. Uh, So yeah, this is two thumbs up for me. Uh, Just a taste of the crazy action we're going to see. Him, Tom Cruise, and Rebecca Ferguson getting thrown around that train. I don't Mm -hmm. know what angles it's been thrown at. How they did that. I'm excited for not only the movie but the crazy behind the scenes footage that will eventually uh, come out. Also, Pom Clementif looks amazing in this. It's like the weird Harlequin person. Yeah. Very cool. So yeah, very excited. Very excited. We're supposed to get part two next year. Supposedly. Supposedly. But Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 will be coming to cinemas on the the 13th of July. Not far away. No. Next trailer. Haunted Mansion. Directed by Justin Simmons. Uh, starring Lakeith Stanfield, Tiffany Haddish, Owen Wilson, Danny DeVito, Rosario Dawson, uh, Dan Levy, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Jared Leto. A single mother and her son move into a mansion only to find that it's haunted. To combat the spirits, they hire a former paranormal investigator, a priest, a psychic, and a college history professor. Uh, Dylan, what do you think of this latest remake of the Disneyland ride? So I've never been on the ride. Um, I didn't like the 2005 or whatever Eddie Murphy movie. This, however, I thought looked really good. I'm going to double thumbs up in this trailer. I feel like this this has given me the exact level of Disney, like as scary as you could take a Disney movie, I guess. Um, and plus, most of the people in this I like. So Justin, uh, Simeon, the director, obviously I really like Dear White People. Um, and then you've got um, Lakeith Stanfield looks amazing in this. That part at the end with him and Danny DeVito and um, Hazan Minaj drawing yeah. the the picture, hilarious. Uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> just like really good. Um, Owen Wilson, like I don't know. I yeah, I really I with no love or affection for this ride, which I know obviously people who like grew up in America, or whatever, obviously go Disney World stuff like that. They I saw in the comments of the video, someone's like, "Here's all the references to the ride," and it's like twenty fucking you know, things of time codes and yeah. whatever else. So for the people who care, apparently the references are there. But for me, I was like, I oh, know this looks fun. I like, I like the cast. I like the, the vibes. I like the getting it. It looks as scary as you could make a Disney PG 13 movie. So yeah, I'll go double thumbs up. Yeah. This is two thumbs up from me. This is the first time I'm hearing about this project that has made me interested in watching it. You know, like we've talked about the haunted mansion was the thing that was coming. Mm, um, we're doing, probably. Uh, but this first look has actually got me wanting to go see it in cinemas. Mm. Um, of course, the cast is stacked, and just the the group of paranormal people just sitting around a table is just amusing in itself. <laughs> Danny Vito, this college professor sitting next to Owen Wilson and a priest. Crazy. Um, Wasn't well, the line starts, it's like, if we have to do an exorcist, we are stuffed. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. So, Haunted Mansion is coming to Australian cinemas on the 31st of August, set to release in the US on the 28th of July. 
Last trailer for this week. The Creator, directed by Gareth Edwards, starring John David Washington, Gemma Chan, Ken Watanabe, Sturgill Simpson, Madeline, Una Volas, and Alison Janney. Amid a future war between the human race and the forces of artificial intelligence, Joshua, a hardened ex-Special Forces agent grieving the disappearance of his wife, is recruited to hunt down and kill the Creator, an elusive architect of advanced AI who has developed a mysterious weapon with the power to end the war and humankind itself. Dylan, what did you think of the trailer for The Creator? Oh, double thumbs up. I've, I've watched this one uh, yeah, twice now. So it's definitely really exciting, interesting trailer. It's this such a full-looking world with so much going on uh and it just looks like it should be based off something but it's not so that's the most exciting thing so far about it uh gareth edwards hasn't done anything since rogue one which came out like fucking 10 years ago uh the cast looks stacked lots of really interesting uh people in here performances Gemma chan and john david washington being the leads is really cool um but yeah the the i don't know it, it sort of gave me it's like district nine vibes of like i don't know the world i guess similar but like on a, on a bigger scope just of a, a of a original world with aliens and stuff like that but obviously the aliens here are the the ai and stuff like that but yeah i like that design they have the the dude the turn the quote and you know it's going to play on similar questions that we have about you know is the can't kill the little girl because she's an AI, but is she a real person? You know, like all, all, all that sort of stuff, but I'm completely down and fine with it. It, it just looks absolutely stunning. Ha- having ILM, obviously special effects all in on this. It's like, holy fuck, does this just look like such an exciting world? And I can't wait to dive into it. Hopefully it's as good as it, it looks. I don't know. Yeah, this looks fantastic. Um, just incredibly beautiful. I mean, it, it's hard not to compare it to Rogue One because it definitely feels like that blend of like that part at the end feels like attack on scarif where they're attacking the the place where they're hiding out or whatever like this mixture of sci-fi and like real world elements um it definitely feels like like a proper war movie as well like it Mm. feels like you could potentially take the ai elements out and it would be like a korean war or uh vietnam war film um but yeah this look it looks beautiful and like um and then I'm sure it's going to be some crazy story about AI and the differences and like, yeah, I'm. This is quickly shot up to one of my most anticipated movies of the year. Um, very excited for this one. So this, uh, the creator is due to release in cinemas on the 28th of September. All right, uh, let's do this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. Uh, and in honor of Renfield coming out, we're doing top three vampire movies. Excited, Dylan? Yeah, I like vampire movies. Dylan, um, I'm like, oh, let's do vampire movies. That seems like a good option. Mm. I quickly learned I have not watched that many vampire movies. <laughs> <laughs> I really struggled to do a list. <laughs> yeah. So, Dylan, what's your number three? Number three, I've gone with 30 Days of Night. So this is a David Slade picture. Uh, really cool. It's based on a comic book. Uh, it's the this uh, sort of Alaskan town where the... And honestly, doing this list, I was like, fuck. 
all these movies, every one on my top, my list I'm about to read out, I was, it just made me want to rewatch them when I was like, damn, these are cool movies. Um, so the, the at the start of the movie, like the, it's one of these things where the, 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 it's set in a place in the world, but it goes into darkness for like a full month. And then the gang of vampires turn up. So the movie takes place, you know, it's 30 days a night because they literally are 30 days a night. Um, and you got Josh Hartnett who plays like the the sheriff or whatever, and he's trying to protect the the town um, for thirty nights while vampires are just fucking feeding all the time. They never have to go to sleep because it's always nighttime. So, um, really cool movie. I really it was one of like I watched this when I was in high school, and I thought it was like one of the coolest movies I've made. I've sort of come down from that a little bit now, but I still think it's a very good movie. Dylan, yeah, my number three. Here we go. They're all gonna Hotel be Transylvania. Yeah, they're all going to be fucking comedies or fucking. Yeah, here we go. Uh, the animated film in which Dracula runs a hotel so he can raise his daughter in safety. Uh, it's fun. It's a, it's a fun kids movie. Uh, fun animated movie. Uh, Adam Sandler plays Dracula. He's enjoyable. They do fun vampire things. They make fun of all the um, monster movie tropes. Uh, and of course, it's directed by Jenna D. Tut. Tatovsky, uh, who was a fantastic director, animated director, so I uh, went on to do like Primal and uh, other, of course, created Samurai Jack and shows like that. So, um, yeah, it's enjoyable. I put that at number three. Tell them what's your number two. My number two is The Lost Boys. Ten years before Joel Shoemaker ruined Batman, uh, he made this little film, and it's one of the coolest movies you could ever watch that makes you feel like wearing a leather jacket and listening to punk rock. Uh, it stars Keith Sutherland as the leader of this vampire gang um, who sort of gets entwined with uh, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman who play like these two brothers who have just moved to town um, and they get like wound up in the, the vents of this gang and then learn they're vampires and then, you know, all sorts of shenanigans happen and of course there's a girl in Love Triangle and all those typical 80s movies things um also the 69 eyes did a really great song called the lost boys and it was a banger and it's based on this movie so there you go all right my number two yep here we go let me in yeah the uh american remake of let all, the right one nearly in. all the five movies you've watched have been because of this podcast that's it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh directed by matt reeves uh it's really good heartbreaking story uh, about this little boy who befriends the girl next door uh, who just happens to be a vampire. Not that he knows it. Um, yeah, I think it's really it was really fantastic. We did a spoiler cast for it. Um, you should check that out. It's a really good movie. Dylan, what's your number one? My number, I'm going to be honest. I really struggled with this list, and I just had to lock it in and just went YOLO. But I went with From Dust Till Dawn. So this is a Robert Rodriguez-directed movie. Uh, it's written by... Uh, Quentin Tarantino and um, Robert Kurtzman. Quentin Tarantino also co-stars in it, along with George Clooney. So it's actually a rare movie where Tarantino and George Clooney <laughs> co-stars in a in a movie, which is what um, they ta- they play these two brothers who are criminals, and they uh, like kidnap a uh, I think it's like a van or whatever, like a no, like a like a home, you know, the ones you go on holidays in or whatever. Like you drive around and you can sleep in. Um, they they 
snake out of i think america like across just across the border to mexico or whatever and, and, and they like park at a bar and then they're like oh we're gonna chill out and have a great time here come come have some drink hostages turns out the bar as soon as it turns over nighttime that's just run by a bunch of vampires and <laughs> there's just fucking violence galore from at that point on uh quint tarantino is just fucking overacting his ass off in this it's hilarious uh george Clooney's just like he's the epitome of just like badass sort of in this and then you've got a bunch of other like of course like big names uh like players who'd love to show up in these two's films so you've got harvey Keitel, Juliette lewis uh salma hayek is fantastic in this danny Trejo, of course cheech marin tom savini uh michael parks is in this as well all the the names you'd sort of expect but yeah it got another two spin-off uh films after this and then there was a tv series that was also on robert rodriguez's um streaming channel thing i don't know whatever that was that that network he had going there was a tv series from dust till dawn as well so it continues to live on but the first film it's just a wild time i feel like the talk of a remake yeah not that they need it but yeah, yeah. uh my number one what we do in the shadows the taco td mockumentary film about vampires uh following a bunch of vampires in new zealand going about their business um it's hilarious lots of fun really enjoyable your your picks uh, it's hilarious it's lots of fun mine are it's fucking violent it's great time like people don't need vampires (laughs) to be so scary you know (laughs) Uh, yeah so yeah that's my number one. Unsurprising. Uh, all right, Dylan. This week, what do you want to watch? Fuck! I forgot again. God, <laughs> I fucking need to put it in the fucking thing you sent me. Hold on. Hold it's on. a recurring segment. I know, but I haven't recurrently remembered it yet. Well, I, I think I did one week there. No, I forgot. Yes. All right. This week. Last week I, you did. Last week I did. I did good last week. Uh, this week I care about none of that. Um, I care about none of that. <sighs> Fuck, it's a pretty shitty week, I think, isn't it? Um, well, no, what's your pick? I'm trying to think. I don't know if I care about anything. I'm morbidly curious about The Little Mermaid. That would, you know... The report the reviews have been a bit all over the place. Um, so, yeah, I'm morbidly curious about that. And then on the TV front, I'm definitely keen for the first episode of American Born Chinese. The, um, yeah. The Disney Plus show. Uh delving into Chinese mythology. All right, fuck it. I'll go The Machine movie, the Burt Kushner one, like based on a true story or whatever the fuck's going on with that thing. Yeah, kind of, but not, yeah. I'll go that as my movie pick. And then TV series, I'm going to go Deadlock. Uh, The Australian Amazon one uh, about, that's like set in Tassie or whatever. That we talked about last week. Uh, yeah. I didn't realize American Born Chinese, the whole series is dropping at once. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Here's a question before we wrap up. Mm. Uh, I've seen some people getting upset about this. Uh, Loki got a release date for later in the year. Going to be released weekly. Echo also got a release date dropping at once. Mm. Mm. What does that say about Echo? That it's all dropping at once. I don't think it says anything. I think people complain all the time that they want everything to drop at once. And then when Disney announces they're dropping a whole show at once, they go, whoa, 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 whoa. 
what's this mean about the quality of the show? And they're like, well, didn't, this is what you wanted? And they're like, oh, no, no, we want it, but I didn't want you to give it to us. It's fucking, <laughs> I liked complaining about it sort of thing. I think that, I think Disney, it's a, and this is nothing against the show. It's just, that's not as high quality. It's not as high profile as some of the other shows, right? So if they want to test being able to do different shows and different release schedules, they're choosing one that's not, they know people are going to watch. They know people are going to watch it, but it's also not as high caliber as some of the, the big name like mm. you know other ones i think that's all it is they're just testing yeah, it i agree i don't think uh we're gonna have the massive discussion around echo no. every week that we will around the other shows yeah um but we'll still enjoy echo and i'm sure well hopefully know, i don't think hopefully that, yeah we'll wait we'll yeah, see, it's interesting yes. to, yeah. <laughs> i i hope it's good i like i'm i'm keen but yeah yeah let us know what you think of echo whether it's going to be good or not or what you want to watch this week, or anything else we discuss on this week's What Do You Want to Watch by going to explosion.com slash Twitter, or jump into Discord at explosion.com slash Discord. If you want to help us out here at the podcast, leave us a review on podcast on on Podchaser, or on Apple Podcasts, or uh, leave us five stars, and you can leave five stars. We'll tell people about the show. And if you enjoyed this episode, thought it was worth a dollar, thought it was worth a dollar, head on over to our cafe page at explosion.com slash support. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.